Awesome. How are you guys doing? Good. Man, so good. Wolves, welcome back. You guys got refreshed. Yeah, rock some Yosemite action. Yeah, give them a hand for having vacation. Y'all excited for them. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so uh, I was here a couple weeks ago, as I usually am on a Sunday, and I sh- shared the word. It was a blast. I, I started with talking about rebuilding the ruins, and we went into a little bit of Nehemiah, and we're going to wrap this up. Um, so let's just pray right now. Jesus, thank you so much, Father, for this family. Lord, thank you that uh, uh, New Horizon is thriving and growing because your kingdom is constantly increasing. So we're part of something that's always moving forward, always advancing. Father, we love you. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for this body. Amen. Amen. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you to those. Something hit me this morning. And uh, more than just a rhema word from the Lord, but uh, something hit my body too. And I wasn't feeling too hot. And... So I, I woke up, and I was like, whoa, what's going on? And I, I still was persevering. I was like, I got this. I can do this. And, um, and then I got here, and I just started texting people saying, be praying for me um, because I don't want this. You know what's interesting? When something comes and happens that you don't want, it's really easy for you to either give into it, right, and say, all right, it's going to cancel all my plans, right? Or you can be like, wait, but I have plans, so I should cancel this because I didn't plan on this. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and I felt a shift even this morning, even my body feeling better. Um, I felt the shifts, and I know there's a shift out of, out of um, the righteous ones who pray, right? Things happen. I felt a shift in, in the ones who prayed. Something shifted in my body, and I felt this health, right? And so, you know, Jesus laughs at sickness, man. He's like, sickness, please. I got that. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus laughs at problems. He laughs at what comes your way. And so we're going to get into this a little more, but I want to encourage you. If something comes up, even something that's destructive, a storm, something that, that could hinder uh, what you're working towards happen, uh, don't give up. Don't give up. It, 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 you're supposed to rise up. You're supposed to work through something, right? And so uh, tell your neighbor not to give up. Tell them. Make sure they don't. Make sure they don't leave too. All right. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse 4. This is the verse that really just hit home at capturing a heart of being one who rebuilds. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations, and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Last Wednesday, I focused on at Tribe Youth, the desolation of many generations, and we brought young people into recognizing it doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is what you can make it, right? And so we were bringing them into, hey, wherever your family is, whether it's horrible or whether it's great. And either way, you can still experience an increase and more of the Lord has for you. And so it was awesome to free them from recognizing what I have been given isn't what I'm limited to. Right? Isn't that amazing? And so even this morning, where you are at doesn't mean you're limited to that. Job, family, work, relationships, whatever it is, you're not limited to where you are. It doesn't mean you'll move on, but it means there's more. It means there's more. Everybody say, I am a rebuilder. You see, the thing with rebuilding and restoring, it's important for us to first be one who's restored, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. First, I must be restored. Jesus has fully restored me. He's taken care of everything. For example, we talked about the sickness, a practical example. I felt sickness, but I know that's not the plan the Lord has for me. I know I'm supposed to bring a word this morning, so do I cancel my word because the sickness came? Or do I cancel the sickness because the word already came? 
right? And then I release it, okay? And so to be a re- one who brings restoration, it's important for me to first be restored. So that's why I'm, in, I'm driven to the place of intimacy and prayer with the Lord. I recognize I've already been restored, and so I can spend time with him. It's not, well, I'm not really, I'm not there yet, so, you know, I just got to figure things out before I go to church. Anybody heard that or said that? Right, right I just got to figure, you know, I just, I don't know, man. You know, I just, I can't hear the Lord right now. If you recognize that Jesus already restored everything, then you will act as if you believe it, right? And then you would do it. And so I am restored. And so since I'm restored and I constantly get to experience restoration, Jesus finished the work. He paid every single thing for you. He defeated everything that needed to be defeated for you. Now you got to do is go take what you've been given, right? Everybody say we got work to do. Restores. I'm to be restored so that I can raise up restorers and release them to be restorers, right? To bring restoration to society, I need to be a restored one first. You will never build the walls of your life until you have first become greatly concerned about the ruins. I read that quote from a theologian. I was like, wow. It's important for me to rebuild the ruins within me to experience restoration. To build the walls of my life, I first got to restore the ruins, right? We're going to go to Nehemiah here. Nehemiah chapter 4. A little backstory, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king, and he gave up his power and position to rebuild Jerusalem. He was appointed to be governor over the land of Judah. The king blessed him, uh, uh, provide uh, provisions and all the supplies he needed, gave him all the treaties and all the things he needed to say, this is what the king has permitted me to do. These are the resources I get. I'm going back to my hometown, Jerusalem, and rebuild the walls. You know what's sweet? I relate to this guy um, because, I don't know if you know, Fife is my hometown. I graduated Fife High School right there, 2007, and a 10-year reunion next month. And, uh, and I'm just like, you know what? I remember one thing the Lord told me is before you want to change the world, I need you to change your hometown. And so I find myself here excited for Fife. I find myself here knowing the Lord wants to change Fife, you know? And so Nehemiah caught a burden for his city because he heard what was going on. He heard the walls were torn down and Jerusalem was a laughingstock. And that's not who they're meant to be, right? They were the people of God. See, children of God, like Joe was talking about, uh, uh, sons and daughters of God, as Christians, we are meant to be the ones who, who have the, the, the highest of promotion, who have the highest of finances, who have the highest of favor. We are to be the ones people are jealous of. And I, and I love telling young people, stop being jealous of the world because they're supposed to be jealous of you. We want, every, we want everybody else's life. Why? You've been given the one life that matters, right? Jesus. And since you have him now, now you have life. People should be jealous of that and jealous of you because they know they're missing something or someone. Jesus, right? It's hard, it's hard to draw people to Jesus when we want what they have, right? So Nehemiah's burden for Jerusalem. He heads to Jerusalem. You find in chapter 3, the building begins as he tells the people, let's do this, we can build. And they're like, yeah. Probably at that vocal tone right there. Because there was men and women, so you had to mix it. Chapter 4, verse 1. All right, Nehemiah, what's going down? Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. You know what's interesting is that that name, I just like saying it like this, Sanballat. Uh, it means strength. And what's interesting is this guy's the enemy and the mocker of Nehemiah. And how many of you know when you work on rebuilding something, uh, not everybody likes it, right? So let's say 
Your family's a mess, and you're working on it now. You're rebuilding it. You know, maybe even those in your family, maybe they won't like it. Maybe they won't like it. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe as a man, you're going to need to restore trust to be able to allow you to lead, right? Because maybe you lost it, right? The enemy, Satan, does not want you to rebuild a thing. He loves destroying things. He wants you to leave it that way. He's come to destroy the earth, right? Jesus came to rebuild it, to bring people to him. His kingdom is coming. You know, what's funny is, right, Jesus already won. Satan can't do a thing about the victory position, but he sure can try to destroy as much as he can. It's like a child out of control. So this guy, Sanballat, he's not happy. He's furious. He's mocking the Jews with others around. You also find in chapter 2, verse 10, he's mocking them again. He's like, who are they to be able to do this? If you notice, um, when, you, when you read about the different enemies that Sambalat and others were a part of, you have a lot of the ites, and a lot of the ites represent enemies of God, right? So enemies of God do not like when God's city, God's home, is being rebuilt. So remember this, Satan is after you, and he ain't going to give up, right? But how much more Jesus didn't give up because he won, Right? And so it's important for you to align yourself with recognizing when you're working on rebuilding something, restoring something, because now you're a restored one. Now you're going to restore your family, your workplace, the education system, a nation, whatever it is, whatever you're carrying a burden for. You have victory. Satan is not happy about it. That's why we need to be prepared. Verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, this is Sanballat talking to all the other weirdos. He's like, what are these feeble Jews doing? Feeble, weak, unable. It's like you're sick and withering. What are these feeble Jews doing? He's calling the Jews weak, unable, disabled. You see, the enemy loves to target your ability. And he also wants you to feel limited. Satan loves it when you don't think you can do it. He loves it when you want to give up. And he, you know what? He especially loves it when you say that. Oh, the devil loves it when you say, I can't do this. He's like, you're right. What else? I'm not, I, I can't measure up. I can't do this. I'm done. I'm giving up. He loves that. Oh, he loves that. What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Who cares? Who cares about the rebuilding of Jerusalem? Do they only care? Are they doing it from themselves? It won't matter. You see, the enemy loves to let you know what you're working on rebuilding. The very thing God has placed in your heart, he loves for you to think it does not matter. And he wants you to think nobody cares. Nobody cares. You come into church, you got this burning desire for something, and you're recognizing it doesn't seem that other people are caring as much as you. Well, that's a good thing. You should probably be the one who's more caring about the very thing God has given you, right? So even if other people aren't showing the very thing that you're carrying of your response to, this is my passion, this is what I live for, doesn't mean you stop. Doesn't mean you have to act defensive like, well, who are they? Who are they? You see, the biggest validation we are to receive is from Jesus, not from people. Can they offer sacrifices? Do they have the ability with all this time of building, can, do they even have time to sacrifice to their God? Do they even have time to give what they need to give to their God in order to honor him and be blessed? See, the, the enemy also loves to 
have you question, do you even have time to pray? Just saying, you've got a lot of work to do. And if you've got a lot of work to do, how you got time to pray? You know, I was, I was talking to Zach last week, and I just had this revelation. I was like, whoa. There's a morning in prayer. I recognize it takes faith to pray because I'm not working. And I've got to work to get things done. But then it also takes faith to work because I'm not praying. And so I've got to rely on the one who I rely on. And so for me to just pray and not work, it's like half faith. But for me to just work and not pray, that's half faith too. Because both go hand in hand. Faith is praying and working. And you work from a place of prayer, right? Prayer and work. It's a great combo. And he says, can they finish in a day? See, the enemy wants, he loves putting pressure on you. I don't know about you, but when, I, when the Lord has given me something, I'm excited about it. And then all of a sudden, 30 days later, you're like, eh. Nothing's happened, right? Five years later, um, where is the, uh, the masses that we were talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, nothing's happened. This isn't uh, what I thought it was going to be. See, the Lord's timeline is not limited to yours, right? Time doesn't even matter to the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to bring you quick success. What I, what I have noticed more and more is the quickness of the very fulfillment of the promises that God has given me is really on me. If anybody's limiting time, it's me. If anybody's limiting the quickness and delivery of what God has for me, it's me. Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? The enemy loves to remind you of the destruction that you've had in your life. He loves to remind you of the things you've ruined, the things you've destroyed. And if that's the case, I mean... Burnt bricks, wood, that's not useful building a wall. The enemy wants you to think you got nothing to give and nothing to offer when you mess things up. But there's hope, right? There's hope. You are a restored one, and you get to restore. All right, let's keep moving. Verse 6, let's move to verse 6. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, Nehemiah says, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. I want to encourage you, if there's something that you are working on rebuilding right now, do not do it alone. Remember, I talked to a friend of mine, and this friend was having a hard time, some bad news, some no good stuff happening, and he needed to figure some things out. And so they, they decided to seclude themselves and not be in contact with anybody that can assist. And you see, if we want to seclude ourselves and yet we're wanting help, it's kind of difficult. Just saying, it's kind of difficult. Like if there's something that I want to work on with my wife, but I say nothing and I kind of ignore her, how am I going to work it out, right? You see, the Lord has blessed us with the church. He's blessed us with a family. He's blessed us with a body. You see, Nehemiah united the people of Jerusalem, said, we're doing this together. It says the people had a mind to work. Just imagine if you were with somebody else that also was working on rebuilding something and believed they could do it, how you'd be stirred by the other. You'd be stirred by the other one who wants to rebuild. You see, when you spend your time, when you spend your time around people who love rebuilding, you'll probably catch that. But when you spend time around people 
who maybe don't love destroying, but it's what they do. It's what they focus on. It's what they say. They just talk about all the bad things. They just, uh, uh, it seems like bad things just come their way and that's it. More than likely, you're going to have this mindset of destroying instead of building, right? Verse 7. Back to Sanballat and the weirdos, the enemies of God. So they heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, even after all that mockery. You see, you have to push past the very first thoughts, the very first accusations of the enemy. You have to push past the reminders of your past, the reminders of your history. You have to push past, can I do this? I don't know if I can do this. They heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, and they were very angry. Just imagine, how much more angry would the enemy of the Lord get when all of a sudden the Lord is, is having success with his people? Persecution right here, right? Persecution. The enemy loves to persecute when success is happening. He loves to persecute a healthy church. He loves to persecute somebody who's experiencing the favor of the Lord. But the Lord loves to bless the one who's being persecuted. Let's go to verse 14. We're going to jump around a few verses here. When I saw their fear, Nehemiah, so the people were fearing. They had a moment of fear when there was talk about enemies of God coming to mess with them, to fight with them. There was a lot of talk. You see, the enemy likes to do a lot of talk. You know, Satan loves to uh, make you think he can do more than what he actually can do. He loves to deceive you. He's the great deceiver. So the people of Jerusalem were fearful because they were hearing of this talk of being attacked and nothing happened. It was all talk. Nehemiah saw the fear. He rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord who is great and awesome and fights for your brothers, your son, or fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Remember how good the Lord is, and then what you're doing is not just for you, it's for those who are following, it's for those who are around you. You know what I love? Is I love to fight, even if I don't get the plunder, I want to fight and conquer land so that the generation after me can experience the plunder, so they can experience the good stuff. You know what I mean? It does not matter to me if I don't experience the goodness. Moses kept leading even though he wasn't going to experience the promised land. A lot of times in war, and after you overcome an area, you get all the good stuff, you got the gold, you got all that stuff. And the family gets to enjoy the plunder. And so I want to encourage you, as you are a restorer, remember it's not just for you. See, the world wants us to build our own kingdom, but God wants you to build his And he's building it, so you don't have to build it by yourself. So I can build my kingdom by myself, or I can build God's kingdom with me, with him. And as I'm building his kingdom, God will build my kingdom. Isn't that great? Build a kingdom that's already being established, and naturally my kingdom will be built with his. Build his house, he'll build yours. So Nehemiah was breaking fear. You see, the Key thing about breaking fear, again, it's not just for you, it's for those around you. It's for your children, it's for the generations after generations. If you break fear off of your family, fear and inability to do anything, this generation needs people to tell them that they are able. There is a lot of comparison in today's society because all we see and all we're scrolling on is people's goodness and successes. But we're not seeing how they got there. 
And so then when a young person tries to experience that and something, so it doesn't work out, I can't do this. They can do it, but I can't. There's this feeling of inability. So please, any young person that you come across, let them know that they are able and let them see their ability through you. Let them see what you have come from and how you're getting where you are in the Lord. He broke fear. He broke fear. Father, just break fear this morning right now. We break fear off of your people. Fear of inability, God. Fear of change right now. Families who are fearing parents, who are fearing breakups, who are fearing children not coming back to you, God. We break fear. Perfect love casts out fear. God, you are love. You are perfect. You are holy. We receive you right now. We drive all fear out. The enemy loves to talk, but you love to act. All right, verse 20. So good. Verse 20. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, Nehemiah is saying, our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. God fights. Here's the thing. If you are working on rebuilding something, remember, again, you're not alone. God is the one who fights your battles and fights your victories. But that requires you to fight. And as you fight, he brings victory. God fighting my battles doesn't mean I just sit on the couch with my spear. It means I run out and use it, and the Lord just like, poof, just wipes my enemies down as I'm running. I probably won't even be able to use the spear. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Just keep running. Verse 21. It's a big page to flip. Oh, it's right there. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spirits from dawn until the stars appeared. Everybody's silent. Why don't you say something? (laughs) Everybody's like, wait, isn't that 21? All right, let's go to verse 22. This is where it gets good. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. Talk about exhausting work. They worked, they built the wall during the day. And then they guarded by night. Where's the uh, ESPN time? What about, I mean, Sounders game on tonight, 7.30. Where's time for that? Labored by day, guarded by night. You see, there's something powerful about building and defending. And Nehemiah was getting at this. Let's keep going here. The enemy doesn't take breaks, remember that, but neither does God, neither should you. Verse 23, neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. They didn't have time to change. They kept working. They kept defending. They kept building the wall. That's why they built this wall a lot quicker than anybody thought they could. Each took his weapon even to the water. I would say carry the hammer. Carry the hammer. You see, there's, there's tools you can have for construction. There's construction tools. And many of them can be fairly heavy. Like, this is pretty heavy. could be because I've been working out, but also because it's heavy. <laughs> but also a heavy tool is meant to, you know, crush or cause something to be built that's pretty heavy. You see, if I just carry a tool 
that is made for construction, I'm defenseless right now. Sure, I can try to use this, but if I'm fighting somebody who's got a weapon that's made for battle, it won't turn out, turn, turn, very, turn out very good for me. It's important for us to not just know what we're building. It's also important for us to know what we're defending and having the proper tool to defend it. See, Nehemiah was in for something that wasn't so comfortable, it was hard, it was tiring, it was exhausting. Just because the Lord has called you something doesn't mean it's going to be easy, easy, but it doesn't mean he's going to fulfill his will within you. One of my favorite verses, fulfill his will within you. So good. Everybody say, I've been restored. Say, I must remain restored. Say, my job is to restore. Okay, I'm going to give you a few steps this morning on how to restore. Step number one, carry the burden. Nehemiah caught a burden for his hometown when he heard news. How do you know he caught that burden? Because he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. He sought the Lord. It broke his heart. Allow your heart to break for something. I want, there's a lot of things I want to carry a burden for. One immediate thing is carrying a burden for my family, for Brianna, for Zayda, and my son. If I'm not carrying a burden for them, how am I restoring something that I'm not really caring about in my heart? I need to carry the thing in my heart so that I'm willing to do something that's uncomfortable. We're talking, they barely slept. They didn't even change their clothes. If you were carrying a burden, you'd, you'd give up just like that. I tried to pray, just, just didn't work. Well, maybe it's because you're not carrying a burden, because you don't care. But if I cared for something, if I cared for the Lord... And out of caring for the Lord comes. You see, here's the thing. In, in, in the natural, you eat because you're, you're hungry, right? But in the spiritual, you eat to get hungry. And so I encourage you, if you're feeling dry in your time, in your secret place with the Lord and prayer, I remember praying as a young person, God, please help me want to read the Bible. That was my most popular prayer growing up. Because I knew I needed to read it, but I just didn't want to. Because every time I did, I got distracted by something else, or I can think of a lot of other fun things to do. But I knew I should, but I didn't want to, but I wanted to want to. You see, and the Lord, I mean, now I love it. I don't know what happened. The Lord responded. But you see, even if you just want to want, that's a start. That's a start. Even if you just want to want to pray, that's a start. Even if you just want to want to try to restore your family, at least that's a start. A little flicker, right? Step one, carry the burden. Carry the burden. See, Jerusalem, remember, it was a laughing stock. It needed to be restored as a place that people were jealous of, that people recognized they are favored, they are blessed by the true and living God. Now, the question to ask, carrying a burden, because here's the thing, when you carry a burden, you won't give up. The question is, is it worth it? Is it worth fighting for? Is it worth defending? Is it worth giving your life for? Is it worth building if you do not see the final results? Will it be worth it? See, carrying a burden is unending, unstoppable. You won't give up. You'll commit your life to it. That's how Jesus paid it all for you, because he carried the burden. He carries you in his heart. And that's how he, he knew he needed to get through this process on the cross, hanging on those nails, right? Because he carried you in his heart. Step one, carry the burden. Step two, observe the present state. For Nehemiah, the walls are broken down. Something was needed. Observe the area that you once rebuilt. What is going on? 
Give it your attention. Step three, acknowledge the needs. The walls obviously needed to be rebuilt since they were torn down, and the reputation of Jerusalem needed to be restored, and so they needed defenses up. And they also needed to take back what they were called the blessed children of God. Observe the present state. Acknowledge the needs. Step four, see the destination. For Nehemiah, a rebuilt Jerusalem was walls being built, inhabitants, people wanting to live in Jerusalem. You see a lot of people left Jerusalem. And out of rebuilding this, people came back because Jerusalem was, one, it was restored to being a desirable place. See the destination. When you carry a burden for something, also see where the Lord wants to take it. And be patient. There's so many things the Lord has shown me, and I'm not even close to getting to these things or seeing these things or experiencing these things. But it doesn't mean I'm going to give up. I can't let myself be discouraged because the Lord causes something greater than ourselves. So that means we have to rely on him. You want to make a difference in the world? Well, you got to be willing to see something that you don't think you can do. And be willing to not even see the result immediately. If you want to make a difference in the world, you got to carry a burden and trust the Lord's going to bring it through. And not be discouraged. Don't let discouragement take you if you don't see the very promise God has given you, but you're not experiencing it. That's what faith is, right? It's seeing without seeing because you've seen it. Since you've seen it, you're going to get it. Ask as if you've already received it and it will be given to you. What? It's like me going to my mom as a little kid. Be like, Mom, I'm so excited that you're going to give me uh, that Ninja Turtles action figure for Christmas. It's going to be amazing. I didn't kind of ask, but kind of didn't. But I asked knowing that I'm going to get it if I say it like that. Last step, after you see the destination, see it through. Here's the thing. You might be alone and the only one who's restoring the very thing that you want to restore. Somebody's got to start. Somebody's got to start. It's okay if you're the only one. It's okay if you're the only one going out and outreach, passing out food. At least somebody's starting and carrying the burden. Because when somebody else, when somebody sees somebody else carry a burden, then other people get intrigued. Because they love being around people who carry a burden. Sometimes people want you to carry a burden for them. Obviously you can't. But when they are around somebody who carries a burden, all of a sudden they recognize, that's what I've been missing. I ain't giving a rip about anything. I'm not carrying a burden for anything. I'm just living. Just living life. So much more to live in life when you got Jesus. You get to be a restorer. Heaven has come, is coming, and it will come. And Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit have chosen to partner with you to bring the very thing that is coming. He's going to do it, but you get to do it with him. See it through. See it through. Historian Josephus in his Antiquities, he says, Nehemiah himself made rounds each night through the city, never tiring either through work or lack of food and sleep, neither of which he took for pleasure, but as a necessity. Nehemiah called the people, work during the day, but guard and defend at night. But Nehemiah did it himself every night. He didn't just tell people what to do, but he actually did it. More so, people got to see what he did and wanted to partner with it. It's easy for people to follow you when you're doing it, right? Instead of just telling them. I'm going to invite the band on up. 
See, there's two tools that you need to be a restorer. Okay, we got a hammer, all kinds of hammers. This, this bigger one's going to sim, uh, symbolize the hammer. This represents what I can do in my flesh. This represents maybe a skill, a degree, training, experience. This represents what I'm able to do in my flesh, what I have practically right now. It can be pretty heavy at times. This can be the education I have. There's another tool that we need. Sword. Sword. You see, Nehemiah had the men. So there was men that just had spears and weapons, and there were those who just built. But then also when you read in there, it says, a saying, in one hand they carried the burden, they carried the hammer, they carried the very thing that was building, and then the other they carried the sword. Here's the thing. If you want to be someone who restores, you also got to be willing to fight and defend. You don't just do things. You also fight for things. You also defend things. If I am trying to make a difference on my own and not reliant upon the Lord, which I get my strength from him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but you have to be strengthened to be able to do things through him because he's the one who strengthens you. If he's the one who strengthens you, then you're taking time being strengthened, which is praying, reading the Bible, committed to church. I can do all things through him who strengthens me because I give him time to strengthen me because I work through my weaknesses. I give him my weaknesses See, the sword defines the relying on the Spirit and the Word of God. The Bible, the Holy Spirit, the prayer, reading it, applying it. Just trying to build a family, just trying to, trying to restore a family, just trying to restore a relationship, just trying to restore your workplace on your own, without the help of the Lord, you will be limited. But with the help of the Lord, there is unlimited possibilities. Unlimited So I want to encourage you right now. I want you to identify what is the area. It's probably multiple, but what's one area that needs to be restored? Take just take one. Let's just start with one. It's your family. It's your workplace. Man, I hate my workplace. Nobody loves Jesus. Man, I need the Lord to deliver me and and put me in a workplace where there's everybody loving Jesus. Then who's going to help them? (laughs) If nobody wants to restore a place that's difficult, how is God going to restore it? Oh, man, the Pacific Northwest is a dark place, man. It's, it's got to be the most in church region, even though I'm not looking up statistics. But, you know, it's got to be. It's a dark place, man. It's hard. So, so what if it is? If I'm thinking and saying that all the time, am I convincing myself I'm not going to make a difference? See, the Lord is looking for people who not just be focused and busy with busyness, but he also wants them to fight for the very thing you have. Here's the thing. I want to just relieve you right now. It's okay if you don't know or feel called to some enormous, grandiose, big thing. I see myself in front of thousands and just healing people, thousands. Making a difference in your workplace doesn't just mean you have to stand up on your work desk and be like, stand up there. Excuse me, everybody. I just wanted to tell you about Jesus. Stop typing, Richard. I just want to tell you about Jesus right now. 
And uh, and the boss is okay. I just got to say something right now. See, Jesus loves you, and uh, we just need to repent together. Sound good? Right? Let's just do that. And then I'm going to baptize you in our staff kitchen. And then we're just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to put my hand on you. The Bible talks about fire in your head. We're just going to do some of that stuff. And um, I'm changing the world right now, people. Doesn't mean you just have to do that. Hey, the Lord may honor you, even if you get fired. But here's the thing. Even the smallest thing, even the smallest thing is releasing the kingdom. Even the smallest thing is restoring. When a coworker yells at you, just reacts, we don't know why. You not lashing back, but saying, I'm sorry, I love you, that's restoring. Something small like that. Something small like that. Coworkers get together and scheme about cheating on something, and you don't partake. That's restoring. wife and husband fighting a lot but somebody's got to start something so the husband just says I love you even though he didn't feel it right it's a start start somewhere all right so I'll stand up the Lord wants not just builders and he doesn't want just defenders but he wants those who build and defend Defend the very thing you build and build the very thing you defend, but you got to have something. you got to carry a burden for something to build something, to defend something. You see, I heard the Lord say, I'm raising you up to be one who raises cities. Just close your eyes. This is the Lord speaking to you. Receive it right now. I'm raising you up to be one who raises cities. Too many places are desolate. Too many people are hungry. You must go and rebuild the ruins. You must go and rebuild cities. You must go and rebuild your workplace. You must go and rebuild your family. You must go and rebuild the school system. Go and rebuild the government. You must go and rebuild arts and entertainment. Every single area is mine, the Lord says. Every single expression of society is under my dominion, under my rule, under my reign. Now where are my builders and where are my defenders? Where are those who will rebuild, restore, and reclaim spheres of society for my kingdom? This is how you will change a country for me. Parents, you parent with God. You get to parent with God. I love that life isn't just about waiting for heaven. Now, you can just wait for heaven. You're totally welcome to do that. But you're going to miss out on seeing what you're able to do. I can sit back and relax and wait. Sometimes it's more stressful sitting back because I see what everybody else is doing and I know something's missing. Or I can get in the fight. I can get into the building. Father, you chose to bring your kingdom through your son. And then through your son, releasing the Holy Spirit, you chose for us to do the very same thing. Just like your son did. Just like you did, Jesus. You called us to restore your kingdom on the earth. You didn't leave us hanging to wait for you. You're coming back. But while we're waiting for your return, we are restoring as much as we can. We are releasing you as much as we can. We are spreading your word as much as we can. We are bringing heaven everywhere as much as we can. I want to encourage you, you may not be where you want to be, but wherever you are, release heaven. You hate your job? Well, maybe everybody else does because nobody's releasing heaven. You're not enjoying being at home? Maybe nobody else's because nobody's. Let's pray. Let's read the word together. Let's turn off the television. Let's look each other in the eye. Let's take a walk. Somebody's got to take a step somewhere. Nehemiah did. Why not you?
also want to encourage you, don't be overwhelmed with releasing heaven. It just starts with one thing, one sweet word, one sweet act, one act of self-control, one thing, one small thing starts a shift in releasing heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you've called us into the business of restoring, of rebuilding walls. So right now, be encouraged in the Lord's presence right now. Father, you are the lifter of our heads. Lift up the weary heads. Lift up the heads of the ones who've given up, God. You've given up, but the Lord hasn't given up on you. You've given up on the other person. You've given up on your child. But the Lord has not given up. All you need to do is stop relying on you and rely on Him. Rely on Him. Every single person in here is called to release heaven and restore and rebuild walls. What is it for you? What is it for you? Come, Father. Holy Spirit, right now, just fresh fire, fresh baptism on your church, on your bride, God. Fresh awakening, Lord. Man, when we were in worship, and I, I was just, there's something sweet in the atmosphere this morning. I was just like, something is going down. <laughs> something has come down, right? But something is going down. There's an atmosphere that has been shifted, that has been released. There's been something just broken within where there's just this freedom in this atmosphere. There's freedom here right now. There's freedom here right now. Freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from disappointment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we're just going to give him a second right now as the band goes. We're just going to give him a second, allow him to speak to you and minister to you right now. And then we'll bring it back together. Just let him minister to you right now. we got a couple minutes, don't worry. Thank you, God. a burden for something. I sure hope it's not all of us, most of us. If you want to catch a burden for something because you want to live for something greater than yourself, you want to be one who restores as a restored one, this doesn't mean you're perfect, but this means you're receiving the perfection, being perfected in Him. You want to catch a burden. It could be something you already have. Remember, family, workplace, whatever it is. And you want to carry a burden for that. You want to actually carry the weight, the burden, the desire God has to bring the full shift, the fullness of heaven in that area. Uh, I'm going to limit a... Uh, what, are, what are those... What are those uh, what's the military term of like when you got those planes dropping streams of bomb payload or something like that? Payload or something? 
some army person help me. Carpet bomb works. That sounds great because we got carpet here. Okay, so I'm gonna limit. I'm gonna I'm gonna limit right now because I have the mic. I'm gonna limit a carpet bomb movement right now. Just bombs from the Lord coming in front of the front row. I do this with my young people because it draws them up, right? And so I'm gonna draw you up in a minute. I'm just, we're just going to allow the Lord to just carpet bomb, sweep through this place, just dropping burdens, dropping burdens. We're talking about that good burden, carrying something, wanting to bring a difference and not giving up, a good burden. All right, if you want to carry a burden, you want to receive it from the Lord, just come on up real quick. We got a minute, just come on up, come on up. Somebody's got to start, right? And we're going to move quick. We're going to wrap this up quick, so don't waste. Come on up. You want to carry a burden. You want to carry a burden. You're like, I want to carry a burden. I'd be coming up here. I want to carry a burden. Father, I want to be one who carries a burden, God. An unwavering restorer who won't give up. I want to see things through. I want to see my family through victory. I want to see my workplace through victory. I want to see my education through victory. I want to see my finances through victory. Every area gets full victory, and I want to just start with one right now. Come on, just receive. Come on up, come on up. Mr. or Mrs. One who does not respond to altars, come on up. Those who are hungry for the Lord, come on up. Take another another minute, come on up. Just receive. Let this be an act. Just receive right now. Holy Spirit, come. Just drop burdens right now. Drop burdens for uh, 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 generations to follow, God. Just drop burdens from one generation to the next, God. There'd be a desire to leave what they have better for the next, God. Thank you, Lord. We want to carry something that you've given us. We want to be a restorer, a rebuilder like Nehemiah. Father, here's our cry. We don't want to just live life. We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to waste away and do nothing, God. It's not about me making a difference. It's about you releasing heaven. You've invited me to be a part of that. I got work to do because you're working. I choose to carry a burden because you're worth it. Because you've asked me to restore. You've asked me to rebuild. You just needed one man, Nehemiah, to go back home. I can't imagine how many other guys you spoke to. Will you carry a burden for it? Will you restore it? Will you rebuild it? And people in your past generations of your family maybe haven't. But now you get to start the carrying of a burden in your bloodline. Father, we choose and commit as New Horizon, as a body, as a family of God, as the bride of Jesus. We choose to be a house that carries burdens. We choose to be a house that sees things through. We choose to carry our hammer to build. And we choose to carry our sword to fight and defend God. You've given things in our care, Lord. So we rely on you, God. Everybody repeat after me. Father, I choose to carry a burden for you. I will carry a burden for my family. I will carry a burden for my workplace. I will carry a burden for my children. And real quick, there's somebody in here. Maybe you don't have much of a family. Maybe you're single, divorced. Maybe your kids aren't around. Maybe there's just been a lot of desolation happening around you where you don't have much. Maybe you're on the verge of losing your job or you just did. You just you feel as if you have nothing but just the sofa that you've been crying on in your living room. 
And I just hear the Lord saying, I'm going to give you a burden for your own life that you won't give up, that you will fight, you will fight and you will defend. The Lord's gonna, the Lord is changing things for you. He wants to restore and rebuild the walls in your life. Everybody say, use me to restore, to defend, to rebuild. The world would never be the same because you came and because I'm working with you. Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand shot? Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. All right, as we dismiss, I want us to give a big shout of victory, making this a mark and a symbol of I got victory in my life and the world's got victory through Jesus and with me, partnering with him. I just want us to shout victory as loud as we can. One, two, three. And go be restorers. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus or you want a miracle in your body, whatever it is, we're going to have a prayer team up here. We just want to pray with you. We want to bless you.